Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Integrity. This is our second week of our series in 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 5 through 7. We talked about unity in our previous series. This, this series, four weeks, maybe five weeks, still deciding. Uh, this series is on integrity. Last week I shared a couple quotes. I share another quote with you today. Integrity is choosing your thoughts and actions based on values rather than personal gain. Let me say it again. Integrity is choosing your thoughts, your actions, based on values rather than personal gain. That quote leads us into a, a great passage of Scripture that's found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And uh, it's a challenging letter because it's a letter that really brings a lot of correction to the church. And so sometimes... How many like to be corrected? Yeah, not many of us. I saw a couple hands. But for some of us, I mean, sometimes, you know, one of the best parts of life is that after we go through some discipline or some correction, man, there's great healing afterwards. And so sometimes we need to embrace that. We run away from it. But the Apostle Paul is bringing correction to the church in Corinth. And I believe there's things for us to learn from this passage of Scripture. Paul is challenging the believers in Corinth to live their faith by godly values. And I want to begin today by reading verses 1 through 6. We're going to kind of read this whole passage, but it's going to be throughout my message today. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your devices that you have the Word of God on, I encourage you to leave it open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul writes, When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Man, Paul is much harder than Pastor Tom. <laughs> I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of, other, or of unbelievers. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And once again, we ask, Lord God, that your, your word will penetrate our hearts and our minds. May the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon us today. Let us leave, Lord God. Um, changed by the way that you decide, by the way that you would direct. You know our hearts, you know our minds. So God, I pray that we, each of us individually, we receive, Lord God, what you are calling us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul is appalled by the believers in Corinth because they're bringing their, their conflict to the secular court. He's appalled. He said, I'm saying these things to shame you. They were relying on ungodly wisdom to bring resolution to a conflict among believers. Think about the testimony that that shares to the secular world. 
to the secular, to the secular people out there in the community. These followers of Jesus, they can't even decide, decide their own disputes. They have to rely on us to make a decision for them. They can't even make a right decision on their own. These followers of Jesus... And then if you consider that in Paul's day, most of the judges were corrupt. They weren't even good judges. Most of them were bought off. Most of them would take bribes to make decisions. And their rulings heavily favored the rich. And the apostle Paul was saying, why would you believers choose to take your disputes and put them in the hands of unbelievers who don't even love God? Why are you doing that? It didn't make any sense to Paul. Paul's not saying that we as Christians can never use the the court systems or the legal systems or the federal or state legal systems. There are times where in our lives we may have no other choice. If you need a restraining order against an assailant enforceable by police, guess what? You're going to have to go use the legal system to attain that document. But in Romans 13.1, and listen to this, Romans 13.1, the Apostle Paul writes, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. So the Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture is not saying that we shouldn't respect authority. We should. But he says when it comes to trivial issues, when it comes to basic things, why would you dare bring those things to a secular court when you should be able to decide those things amongst the believers? It was frustrating the Apostle Paul. Matters that mature believers should be able to easily settle. And even if it wasn't a trivial matter, shouldn't we first try to decide that among ourselves? Even if it wasn't an easy matter as believers, shouldn't we be able to sit down and and talk to one another and make a decision on how to resolve a conflict instead of having to take it outside of the church? What does that say about us? It's like siblings who are quarreling over something and they need their parents to make the decision. You know, you have to go and break up the fight. And, you know, it's really cute at four years old, but it's not cute at 40 years old. <laughs> I was in a hospital room years ago, and this man was on his deathbed, and these two, his two daughters, who were probably in their 60s at the time, they were in the room. The man is on his deathbed. He has a couple days to live. And they all of a sudden start to argue. And this man on his deathbed all of a sudden says, Will you guys stop fighting? It's embarrassing. And this is what the Apostle Paul is bringing to the church in Corinth. He said, guys, what you're doing, it's embarrassing to the church that you can't can't make decisions on your own, that you can't resolve conflict, but that you have to go outside of the church to do so. Paul is challenging the believers in Corinth to live a life worthy of your calling. Are you willing to live a life worthy of your calling? In verses 2 and 3, Paul states that we as believers will one day judge the world, including angels. There's not much detail given in Scripture regarding what Paul is stating. Paul is making the detail right here. And we don't know if Paul is referencing fallen angels. and We don't have any details about our complete role in judging the world. But the Greek word translated judge can also be interpreted to decide. And I want to declare this to you, as a part of the body of Christ, we will be given positions of authority to govern. If you didn't know that, we will. And if we can't govern here on this earth, how are we going to govern one day in heaven? 
In Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus told his disciples in the new world, after Jesus' return, the 12 apostles will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The takeaway from this scripture is that Paul is calling out the believers in Corinth for living below their intended destiny. You guys are living bef- below the level that you, sh- the expectations that, that God has for your life. Are you living below the intended destiny of your life? Has God called you to something greater, but you're choosing to just go below it? Kind of like in school, you know what I'm saying? You know you can get the A, eh, but I can settle for a B or C. But you know it's not that hard for you to get A. You live below the intended destiny of your life. I love it in verse 5 where Paul makes it clear. I'm saying this to shame you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Can you believe that? It's like, ah. It's like going to a peewee football game. We used to have our kids in soccer. and I remember Brett when he first started playing football. He was not quite the man he, the man he is today. Uh, he was probably a buck. 10, maybe. I don't know if he was a buck 10 when he was in early high school, buck 20. And I kept on thinking, man, you know. And, but in peewee football, like nine, 10 year olds, can you imagine two teams going against each other? And on one team, there was Tom Brady as the quarterback. He's the quarterback of one of the teams. Not when he's like a little boy, but he's fully grown. He has already won the seven, you know, Super Bowls. And he's the quarterback. It doesn't look right, does it? Like, what's he doing out there playing football? It doesn't look right. It's like, it's, it's almost embarrassing. This is what Paul is saying. It's embarrassing, guys. That's why he's saying it. To shame them. Believers squabbling over issues in a secular court doesn't look right. Paul is stating you should be more spiritually mature and beyond this type of pettiness. As believers, we really need to take to heart what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We need to apply it to our lives. Where he writes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. As believers in Jesus, we have been grafted into the body of Christ. Grafted into. Meaning that we've been adopted into the family of God. Can you imagine if you had an opportunity where... Someone that you look up to, maybe it's the president of the United States or whoever, and might not be the current one, might be someone in the past, so let's not go down that road. But all of a sudden, someone's invited you to be a part of a special council where you're going to help to make some decisions for the nation. Wouldn't you take that as an honor? Wouldn't you consider that to be a privilege? Wouldn't you think that, man, that is a calling. i gotta, I got to live according and make my life worthy of that calling. How much more is it for you to be into the family of God that we need to live according to the calling that God has called us to? It's a great honor. Receive it as an honor. Live accordingly. Don't live below the destiny that Christ has given you. I want to look now at verses 7 and 8, what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We continue this passage of Scripture. He writes, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Listen to this next line. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? 
How many like to be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Paul makes an interesting statement in this verse. To have lawsuits among one another displays that you already have been defeated. To be suing one another in the church means you've already been defeated. If you remember the series I did before this series that we're in integrity is on unity. That the church is to be unified. And Paul saw that the church in Corinth wasn't unified, that it was divided, that there was division taking place. You see, one of the things that brings unity into a church or unity into your life or unity into your family is integrity. We need to have integrity in our lives. It's like the family who is in constant conflict. They're always fighting. They can never agree. When the parents finally die, they keep on fighting because now they're fighting over the inheritance. Who's going to get the money? What's it going to be? How much is he going to get? How much is my brother going to get? How much is my sister going to get? Outsiders look in and think, man, that's not much of a family. You see, as the body of Christ as believers, we should be loving one another in such a way that when outsiders look in, they go, I want to be a part of that. I need that in my life. I, I, I'm missing that piece. And many people come to this church for that reason. They feel like, man, I'm missing the family. And they come and they make connections here. And all of a sudden they say, man, I know people now that actually love me for who I am. They don't love what I can provide for them, but they actually love me. And that is what it is called to be a family of God. Paul asked a very intriguing question in verse 7. He says, why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Which brings me to the second thought. Winning is not everything. Paul's question is contradictory to everything the world teaches. Man, we are taught from a very young age, we're taught in our school systems, man, stand up for your rights. We don't just give in, we don't just give up, we fight. Don't we? Isn't that what we're taught? Isn't that what we're, man, we, you have rights, don't you? Man, what, what happened? I've done that. No one should do what? Don't they know who I am? My goodness. You know what I'm talking about. You relate. But listen to what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5, the great sermon on the mount, as he's talking to the crowds of people. He says some words that are so controversial to the culture of his day and to the culture of our day. But I say to you, this is Jesus, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Did you hear what Jesus' words? Did you hear what he said? They are contrary to our culture, to our thinking. His, his statement actually, really, if you think about it, it seems like it's almost self-defeating. Like, man, you're not standing up. You Just give every... Really, Lord? I think all of us struggle with this teaching. If you don't, text me. I have some FTX cryptocurrency to sell you here shortly. But think about it. If this is the way Jesus wants us to respond to an evil person, 
How much better should we respond to a believer who is part of the family of God? Paul is stating there are times in life that it's better to lose the battle and to win the war. Some battles are just not worth fighting. Remember, Paul is not, he's talking about civil court matters, not matters regarding murder and physical abuse, those type. He's talking about things that in a lot of ways, they shouldn't be that difficult. They're relatively trivial matters. But it's important to understand winning battles sometimes can be detrimental to the goal that God has for our lives. I think about different athletes who will do anything at all costs to win. They will do anything. They'll use the performance-enhancing drugs to just get that edge so that they can win the race, so that they can win the fight, that they can win the game. They might win some games or races, and they might become famous. Some have. But in the end, they lose their integrity. Their character is so damaged that they no longer have influence. I want you to catch this. They start out desiring greatness, but they end in obscurity because they made winning everything in their life. The only thing that we should make winning everything in our life is our following in Jesus. Paul doesn't want believers in Corinth to lose their integrity to lose their influence, to lose their reach to be able to share the love of Jesus to others. But if they're suing one another in court, guess what? They're losing their influence. They're losing their integrity. How can they do that when they're squabbling over trivial matters? Jesus said some powerful words in John chapter 13, verse 35. They're powerful words. Some of the most powerful words about reaching the unsaved. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. Your love for one another in the church will prove to those that are outside the church that you truly love me. See, that's what we need to reach for. That's, what, that's the goal we need to strive for. That's the place we need to reach because guess what? That's what really matters. One day when we get to heaven, guess what? All of the different accounts that we'll be judged by, all the different things that we'll do, the one thing that is going to be the rewards that we can take with us to heaven is who did you bring with you? Who did you love? Who did you sacrifice for? Who did you take a meal to? Who did you visit in the hospital? Who did you take time to just pray for at Starbucks? What did you make to make a difference in someone else's life? So the question for us, what price will we pay to win? Are you willing to lose your integrity to win? Or to be right? Are you willing to lose your job, your friendships, your spouse, your children, so that you can say, I won? One of the, and I, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I am. I love football. I think Tom Brady is a phenomenal quarterback. But for me, it's one of the most sad things in the world is that you can have seven championships and yet you lose your wife and really lose the things that, were, that I feel really matter in life. And sometimes we can make winning too much. I'm just saying We can lose so much. Think about Jesus. He was falsely accused and was willing to die on a cross 
so that you and I might be saved. Jesus was willing to lay down his rights. At any moment, he could have called down heaven. All the angels of heaven said, nah, I'm not doing this. But he was willing to lay down his rights. He was willing to lay down that moment of win and sacrifice that for a greater good. And that was you and me. This is some heavy stuff, isn't it? It's not like when you walk around the neighborhood with your little two-pound weights doing this. You know, this is really pinch pressing. <laughs> this is a heavy lifting. I'm back into working out and I'm dying right now. It's like, but you know, it's okay to put some 45-pound weights on there and start bench pressing. Because you know what? The Lord wants us to become spiritually strong. He did not give us the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, in our lives so that we could be weak. He gave us His Spirit so that we could be strong, so that we could fight the battle. Some of you are catching that. We must become strong because I want you to catch this. I'm going to say it a couple times because I just want you to get it into your thoughts. We must become strong because our integrity in God will pull us away from the standards found in today's culture. I'm going to say it again. We must become strong because our integrity in God will naturally pull us away from the standards of this world. And at times, it can feel like those competitions, those strongman competitions, when they're all of a sudden taking a rope and they're actually pulling a semi-truck and trailer, and they're getting down there and all four, and they're trying to get that thing started, and they're trying to pull. And, and they're, I don't know if you ever watch those strongman competitions. They're crazy. These guys are massive, you know, and, and they're going to have a heart attack at any moment. I just keep on thinking they're just going to die. Someone else, I don't even know how you do CPR on such a big guy like that. you got to... I don't know, i got to have a machine for that. Anyhow, they're just trying to get through that, and they're trying to pull. And sometimes that's what it feels like with integrity. At the beginning, it feels like it's so hard. But as you start getting momentum, it becomes easier. When you do what is right, the power of His Spirit will help you to succeed. It pays to do what is right. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and strength to do so. The Corinthian believers were suing one another in court. Instead of choosing to suffer a loss for the greater good, they were scheming on how to cheat one another. This is happening in the church. And what Paul basically says, neither, none of you are right. It doesn't matter who, who thinks they're right in court, you both lose. Because you're going to court over this matter. In verse 8, Paul basically states, there is no difference between you and the world. Where's your testimony? And it's a great reminder for all of us that winning isn't everything. Our integrity is more important than winning. I want to close today's message by looking at verses 9 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 6. Paul writes these words. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul, in this passage of Scripture in verses 9 and 10, he gives us a list of sins. He states, don't fool yourselves. Don't be deceived. One of my biggest fears is that I'm deceived. It's one of the more reasons why I just continue to stay in God's Word. I'm not going to let outside things distract me from God's Word. Don't be deceived. Those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that cheating... Others is on that list of not inheriting the kingdom of God. He has all these sins. He goes, and cheating others. See, many times we want to elevate sins. Well, see, Pastor Tom, my sin is not as bad as <clears throat> person over there. Their sin is. <whistles> you have no idea what they're doing. I just once in a while lie on my IRS forms. It's not a big deal. Okay, I'm providing for my family. It's not a big deal. Notice Paul doesn't rank these sins. Sin is sin. In God's eyes, sin is sin. I've had conversations before. I've spoken to people who want to categorize sin. They want to elevate some sin and they want to drop their sins down here. Look how bad these people are. Look how great I am. Sin is sin. And I think at times we all have those thoughts. We all try to categorize. We all try to place our sins. I'm not as bad. And It's kind of like that Pharisee that was praying in the temple. and He's like, oh, God, I'm so grateful that I'm not as bad as that tax collector over there. Oh, and the tax collector over there is beating his chest. God, forgive me. I'm a wretched sinner. And what did Jesus say? It was a tax collector who was going to inherit the kingdom of God because he recognized who he was. See, in God's eyes, sin is sin. It doesn't mean that some sin won't have greater consequences in this world. It doesn't mean that some sins, maybe even, even in heaven won't have, or in hell, or however, they, yeah, won't have greater consequences depending if you have forgiveness for your sins. Because, I mean, Jesus says, if you make one of my children fall away from me, you're better off to tie a millstone around your neck and be thrown into the sea. So why participate in any of it? And we should never think that we're better than someone else just because our sin is not as grievous as another person's sin. Paul states those words in that scripture. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Stop thinking that you're better than everyone else. Sin is sin. We choose not to pursue sin when we choose to submit our will to God's will. That's the secret. When we submit our will to God's will, guess what? We choose not to submit to sin. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're following the example of Jesus that Jesus gave us. We stop acting upon temptation and we start focusing on Jesus. I've shared that over and over. Stop acting upon temptation. How do I do that, Pastor Tom? Turn your focus away from your sin and turn your focus to Jesus. Watch what will happen. According to verse 9, if you read verse 9 again, man, it just seems like we've already been disqualified. Pastor Tom, you don't know what I've done. 
Pastor Tom, I'm not perfect. I can't live a perfect life. I know that within a week or two, I'm going to do something wrong. Welcome to the club. According to verse 9, we've all been disqualified. We've all sinned, and most likely we'll all sin again. And it's true. We have all been disqualified, which means that we're all on equal playing field. The only ones who will inherit the kingdom of God are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only ones. We're all sinners, every single one of us. Paul writes in Romans 3, he says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. The only way is through Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. It is through Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Our salvation is secured. No one, and I want you to get, grab a hold of this word, no one is beyond the reach of God's salvation. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. We must just choose to believe and follow Jesus. By giving up, I want you to catch this, by giving up our own way, our own rights, and choosing Jesus. It's choosing to find your identity in Jesus instead of finding your identity in self. It's choosing to find your identity in Jesus instead of finding your identity in self. That's my last point today. Find your identity in Jesus. Look again at verse 11. Paul tells the believers in Corinth that many of you identify with sins that I have listed, but now you have been made right with God by your faith in Jesus Christ. Stop identifying with your past. Stop identifying with your sins and start identifying with who you have been saved through, Jesus Christ. Start living according to your new identity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. A new life. Have you begun your new life yet? Have you begun your new life yet? Have you begun your new life yet? If you accepted Christ, it's time. Start living according to your destiny. When you were born again, you received new identity. It's no longer your own. It's the life that we find through Jesus Christ. It's God's spirit continually working in and through our lives. It's what makes water baptism so significant. When we are submerged in the water, we are choosing to die to our old self. We are choosing to die to our old ways. And when we come out of the water, we are declaring that I have a new identity and that identity is found in him, Jesus Christ. I now live under his resurrection power. Under, under his forgiveness, under his righteousness. This transformation doesn't just happen through our own strength. This happens through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. In verse 11, Paul tells the believers, you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and, the, and by the Spirit of our God. Paul writes to Titus, he says, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. It's done through the Holy Spirit. It's not your work. It's not your work. It's not your ability. It's not your holiness. It's not your righteousness. It's God's work in you. Let me ask this question today. What identity are you choosing? What identity are you choosing? 
Man, identity is such a hot topic in our society today. You can choose to identify in many ways, many ways I didn't even know it was possible that you can choose to identify today. But there is only one identity that will get you into heaven. Only one. God has given each of us a choice. We can choose to remain in our sinful nature or we can choose to identify our life through the saving grace and power of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God has given us all the freedom of choice. We're talking about freedom today on this Memorial Day weekend. The lives that were sacrificed for the freedom of this nation. Think about the life that, of the Son of God being sacrificed for the freedom that we have to be able to be citizens of heaven. And it's through His grace, through His love. And there's only one choice that you can make. There's only one identity that you can take. That's having your identity in Jesus. I'm going to say something here today. I want you to grab a hold of this truth. Because I believe it's such a powerful truth for some of you here today that may be struggling. Maybe you're online today and you're struggling with some things in your life and you need to be set free. I believe this truth sets you free. Stop identifying your life with your sin and start identifying your life with Jesus. Stop identifying your life with your sin and start identifying your life with Jesus. Probably one of the best ways I could describe this and explain this today. If you're an alcoholic, if you struggle with drinking, and throughout the day, your biggest thought, your greatest thought is, man, I can't wait till I get home this evening so I can just have a few and just kind of be done with the rest of the day and get my buzz and be done and relax. And Guess what? What's taking place in your life is that you're finding your identity in your alcohol. I'm not saying that there's anything. I'm just, by the way, I'm not saying, and I might be in trouble on this, but I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking. There's something wrong with being drunk. That's what the Bible says. Now, be careful when you're drinking because maybe you have that temptation that takes you down too far. And so what takes place in this whole story, you know, what I'm trying to tell you today is this. As an alcoholic, if, you, if you're an alcoholic, praise God, if hopefully you've been set free from that, but you'll know that you, have, you are finding your identity in your alcohol. Instead of finding your identity in Christ, you were trying to live in two different worlds. You had one step foot here. You had one step foot here. Maybe it's something different. Maybe you're finding your identity in sex. And you have one foot here. And then you're trying to serve Jesus. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have two identities. You can't choose to serve one master and then think that you're going to be able to serve another master. Who is your master? It's Jesus. See, if you want to be set free today... You got to choose today. Where's my identity going to be found? Is it going to be found in my work? It might just, man, I'm going to, everything I do is work, 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 work. I'm going to sacrifice everything, my family, my friends, everything, my salvation for work. That's your identity. If your identity is in Jesus, then I am willing to sacrifice everything for Christ. That's what sets you free. 
But if you're trying to live in two worlds, and that's what the church of Corinth was trying to do, they were losing their integrity because they were trying to do two things. Paul says, stop it. Stop it. Live according to the values that God has set before you. Follow godly values. Watch what will happen in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll restore the testimony that I have for you today. Woo! Praise God. I preached to myself today. Hopefully, I preached to you as well. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that we don't walk this life alone. That, God, we walk it as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of you. We walk it with the wisdom and the power of your Holy Spirit. For many of us, we are so grateful today that you have set us free from our old ways, from our old self, from our old sin. We no longer identify with our sin. God, we now identify with you. And we are so grateful for that. And we worship you today, God. And in just a few moments, we're going to continue to worship you, Lord. We're going to continue to praise you, Lord, because you are the great I Am. You have set us free from our past, our present. Lord God, you have set us on a new new, new role, new future with you. But maybe some of you are here today, and you're sitting here with every eye closed, heads bowed for just a moment. I'm old school. Maybe you're sitting here today and I said those words, which I believe are words from the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're still hanging on to your old identity. You're still hanging on to an old way of living. And God is wanting us to do some heavy lifting today. He wants to set some people free today. He wants you to let go of that old ways. He says, man, grab a hold of something new. Choose to put your identity in me. Watch what will happen. If that's you today, if you need to be set free from an old identity and you need to choose to follow Jesus, raise your hand real high. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Raise your hand real high. If you're watching us online, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. 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 If you're watching us online, I pray right now in Jesus' name people that need to be set free, be set free in Jesus' name. I want to say a prayer right now, and I want everybody in the congregation and online just to say this prayer with us today, because it's a prayer that sets us free. It's good for all of us to say this prayer, even those who have their faith 100% in Jesus Christ. Let's say it in support of everyone here today. Lord Jesus, I choose to walk away from my sin and walk towards you. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free from my old identity. I receive you, Lord Jesus, today. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit to do what is right. I love you, Lord. Let me feel your love greater today than ever before. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. How many love Jesus here today? Come on. Come on. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. 
We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.